Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Last week, we dove into a book review on Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, to help us understand how we can successfully focus on the work without all the distractions that we have around us. In this episode, we wanted to share a recap of the strategies we used to help us be successful in our own deep work. But first, let's hear a time-sucking hurdle from Nicole. Nicole says, we've all been there. You're searching sites for habitat activities and spot a really cool teacher site, so you click on it. On that site, there's a link to a new, amazing, and free resource, so you click on it. In that resource, there's an amazing lesson plan you could use for math, so you sign up. This reminds you that you need to update your math objectives, so you look for that file and spot a folder you totally forgot about that contained incredible center activities for writing. And two hours later, you begin to panic (laughs) because you realize you have absolutely nothing for habitats. Nicole, I love this TSH because it resonates with almost every single person listening. (laughs) It better resonate because I know that I have definitely been there. And what's so interesting is I think that a lot of the strategies that we talked about in um, the podcast episode before, so 184, when we were talking about deep work is that we don't have that deep work, right? It's like we look at that shiny object syndrome and like, oh yeah, I need to do this or I need to do this. And it's how can we help our brain really focus on the objective that we have, which is obviously going out and looking for habitat activities. And yet you did something for math and also writing <laughs> in all this process. But I... I think the biggest piece here and some of the strategies that I have used even from David Allen's book is that when you have something that's like, oh, wait, that's a cool site or I need to check out this resource or do this, write it down versus actually engaging with that task itself, because then you can allow your brain to focus back. So it's almost as if and I know this sounds really weird, but you have to tell yourself I'm getting unfocused. Mm -hmm. snap myself back to what it is that I need to do. And I can write this down and come back to it later. And I think that strategy will really help you in that process. I agree. I think the realization piece is key. I have recently kind of for myself formulated, these are all disruptions. So disruptions are made up of two different things. You have distractions and you have interruptions. Hmm. The difference being distractions come from within you. Yeah. Whereas interruptions come from external forces. So like someone walks in the room and starts talking to you or there's a notification, etc. So a lot of times those distractions, which are coming from within us, we are choosing to let ourselves get distracted because we want to avoid something. So maybe the work that we're doing is hard, or maybe in this case, you're looking for habitat activities, but you don't actually have a clear idea of what you're looking for. And that's why it's so difficult. And so you choose to let yourself get distracted because that is easier in the moment. And I think if you frame it that way, you can kind of train yourself to go, nope, I'm not letting, you know, that distraction win. I'm going to make sure that I stay focused on the task at hand and maybe I need more clarity on it. But I think that mindset shift can be really, really powerful. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's a really great way to be able to look at it. Okay, so we're going to jump into this episode. Um, If you haven't already listened to the episode where we discuss Cal Newport's book, Deep Work, be sure to head over to episode 184, book review, Deep Work, Our Honest Thoughts, and listen to that. Here we discuss our biggest takeaways, and it's a great beginning piece to familiarize with that book just in general before moving on to this podcast episode. Yes, because in this episode, we're going to chat a little deeper. (laughs) See what I did there. (laughs) But we're going to share specific strategies from the book and how we have implemented them in our own lives, as well as share ideas for how these strategies could apply to your life, both teaching and personal. So let's dive in. Bridget, what has been the first strategy that you have implemented? Well, it's going to come to no surprise. It's to work deeply. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know how else to word that one. Um, But it was funny that while I was reading this book, I realized very quickly that a household with kids and a husband that it's just, it's not ideal for mm. deep work. So Cal Newport really describes deep work just as like a, a refresher here as professional activities that are performed in a state of distraction free. Yeah. Kids and husband, not distraction free because mm-hmm. they always want to talk to you <laughs> that really push your cognitive abilities to their limit. And then this is going to increase new value, improve your skill and be able, and it's something that's really hard to replicate by other people. Right. So it's not those mindless tasks. And so what I find is that I am often very, very distracted because of all of the external stimuli around me. And that yeah. is my family. I love them very much, but they drive me nuts. So I did start to attempt to implement this deep work strategy of working for these longer periods of time. Now, in the beginning, I think it's been since I've, it was happened before I went to the beach, Michelle. So it's been a couple of weeks now. I have not, for the love of me, been able to sleep past like 530, which is so strange. (laughs) I laugh because I have never had that issue. (laughs) I know. It's so wild. So I've been waking up anywhere from like 515. I said maybe like 540-ish. And like I decided to start taking that opportunity to go to my office and just be able to sit down and work. Now, I'd started doing this, but then I also had my phone with me. Now, granted, keep this in mind, guys, like as I was implementing some of these strategies, I still had not finished the entire book because I was reading the book over several days, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I was not like Michelle and read it all in one day. Just want to point that out. Spoiler. So I still had my phone with me and I was realizing that every moment that I got where the work was hard and I had to think deeply about something, I automatically would pick up my phone and I would start scrolling on something. So then I started to move my phone to above this shelf that's right behind me. Oh, and okay. the reason why I started doing this was I could put it into another room, but there were also a couple of times where my family, they were like all gone. There was like a Wednesday where everybody was gone. It's like, okay, I need to have my phone in case somebody calls me. Right. So I would have it on for calls because I have everything else silenced. Like I don't get dings for texts or anything like that. So I would left it up above my shelf and I was able to get so much work done. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. So 
Now, what I have started to do is really take advantage of this time and I'm actually setting alarms to perform my deep work consistently in this like rhythmic pattern that Cal talks about between 5.15, 5.30-ish to 7.30. And I am able to get so much of my beginning work done, mainly because I'm also a morning person, so I can yeah. think immediately. Um, and it's, it's been great so far. So I have to keep this going and see how far I can go. I'm curious if I should try to give myself an off day. I haven't decided that because like weekends and stuff, I'm still trying to do it. We'll see mm-hmm. what ends up happening. But if you have, if here are some ideas for um, trying to implement this idea, this strategy of performing deep work. So an extended period of time where you are alone, distraction free, and you're able to do your hardest, deepest work. Okay. Set a time that you're able to complete this alone. So like me, if you're somebody who has a family and distractions all around you, if you're able to wake up in the morning, I highly recommend trying to do that. Give it a shot. Don't knock it till you try it because you will be surprised how much work you're able to get done. If you're able to be somebody who can go away from distractions, do that. So meaning if you can go to like a park or if you have somewhere, maybe you have a bigger piece of land where you can like go onto a porch to work by yourself, definitely find those opportunities where you can spend time alone to do your deepest work. Okay, so now (laughs) I totally forgot we're gonna go on to a break. So I'm gonna take a break and then when we come back, Michelle is gonna talk about her first strategy that she's implemented. I don't know about you, Michelle, but summer is my favorite time to try out new things. Lately, I've been trying to schedule more deep work time into my day. We are totally on the same wavelength here. I have been trying some new recipes and meal prep ideas I've seen online because summer is when I feel more relaxed and willing to try new things. Exactly. So this is your reminder that we have a digital planner available for you to try out for free before you make any purchases. Yes. Consider this our personal invite to you to dive into the world of digital planning completely risk-free. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. The free planner is available for download at teachingonthedouble.com forward slash free planners. Now, if you love it as much as we know you will, you can then grab a fully dated version of the digital planner with even more templates and tools in our store at teachingonthedouble.com slash store. But regardless, we hope you take advantage of this free offering. And now back to the episode. We are back. And as Bridget mentioned earlier, I did read the book in basically one big deep work session, which was a great way to start implementing the strategies as I was reading the book. Here's what happened. And I shared this in the last episode. I had sat down to read the introduction one night while Billy was cooking and very quickly realized the irony of reading a book about deep work in a distraction free or in a, you know, a distracted world. And I was in a very distracting setting. So after that, I decided I'm going to wait until Monday when Billy goes to work and I can read the rest of the book. So I read the whole rest, which was like, I don't know, 263 pages is the whole book. So it was a lot. And I also took notes while I was reading all in one day. What's ironic is 
on that day, because I was kind of crunched for time in order to like get the book read because Billy came home from work and I wasn't quite done, I then implemented a Roosevelt Dash. And we mentioned this in the last episode. A Roosevelt Dash, as it's described in the book, is basically leveraging artificial deadlines to help you systematically increase the level that you regularly achieve. So basically that deadline that you create for yourself, it should be a stretch to reach, like it should be difficult, but it's not completely unrealistic. Now, deep work talks about setting deadlines as in like a few days from now or a few weeks from now. I did kind of a variation of that where I set a timer. So here's what happened. Basically, on that Monday, I was cooking dinner that night. And typically, we eat dinner at 8 o'clock. So I had finished reading around 7 p.m. And I still had to shower and dry my hair before I started cooking. So I had told Billy, I said, look, I'm going to go upstairs and shower and like dry my hair, get ready, all that before cooking, I said, I will be back down in 25 minutes, which is ambitious for me to be able to like shower and do all of the things in that amount of time. But I was like, I believe in myself. So I set the timer. I ran upstairs. I showered in five minutes and that included shaving my legs. Now I only shaved from the knee down. Did you really wash your hair very well? Yes. Behind your ears? Shampoo and conditioner. I'm not a a slow shower though. Like a normal shower for me if I'm taking my time is like eight minutes. Like I'm a a pretty, yeah, I'm a pretty fast shower. Um, Then... I was able to get my hair dry, all that. I was walking downstairs. I had three minutes left on my timer. So I finished it all in 22 minutes. More than anything, this exercise showed me how much time I usually waste when I take my nightly showers. Because what I do is as I go upstairs to take my shower, I start playing a YouTube video. Usually it's like Mm -hmm. a 10 to 15 minute video. I will put it on the sink as I'm like, you know, shedding. Usually it's my clothes from the gym. So I'm like all sweaty and I'm like taking them off. And I pause it when I get in the shower. Once I get out from the shower, I dry off enough to like reach over and start playing the video. (laughs) And then I watch that while I like brush out my hair and I pause it again while I dry my hair. And then afterwards I will finish watching the video before I go downstairs. And it just wastes so much time. So this strategy really helped me make sure that I was being mindful of my time. So here are a few ideas I have if you are wanting to implement this. First of all, one thing we have mentioned before is setting like personal deadlines ahead of school deadlines. So this works perfectly for things like report cards. If your report cards are due on a Friday, tell yourself you're going to have them done by Wednesday. But you could also use this for like assessment grading. So if assessments have to be graded and turned in or like the data has to be entered by a certain date, set a deadline for yourself a few days prior. But then you can also try the variation that I did where you just set timers for smaller tasks. And I will say it is very helpful to communicate the deadlines you are setting with others. So for example, I told Billy, I will be back downstairs to start cooking dinner in 25 minutes. It kind of created that sense of urgency Mm -hmm. for me because I knew he was waiting. So you can, leading back into back to school time, tell your team you're going to have a certain responsibility that you're taking over. For example, if you're going to set up the grade level website, tell them you're going to have it done by a certain date. So it kind of creates that sense of accountability. 
Yeah, I'm getting stressed just thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to share my second strategy that I started implementing. Um, And it's to focus on what is wildly important. Now, the book has a quote and it says, the more you try to do, the less you Mm -hmm. actually accomplish. And it really resonated with me because I am very much a I can do everything type of person. And I put everything on my plate because I feel obligated to not let other people down. Um, but <laughs> I don't do all of the things because it is not possible to do everything. So I have just realized that I work much better when I'm focusing on a singular project. And I think this podcast in general and us really exploring our productivity over these three years together has really allowed me to see that more. So Cal mentions um, in the book about a Harvard Business School professor and his like the four disciplines of execution that he talks about. And so Cal basically adopts these uh, disciplines and discipline one is to focus on what is wildly important. And he mentioned to identify a very small number of ambitious outcomes to pursue your deep with your deep work hours. So then during these times when I would catch myself working on like multiple tasks, I would feel more and more stressed. Like I could feel my stress just rising. But now I try to schedule things with more intention by looking at my calendar and ensuring that I don't have any other conflicts. And this has just improved my ability to be able to get more done during those deep work sec- like sessions that I have because I am so intentional with my uh, my projects and my tasks. So here are some ideas for implementing this in more of like a teacher mindset. I mean, you can see this as like lesson plans, report cards, anything that's going to require you to really own into building, you know, a unit or something and focusing on that deep work. Some strategies that you can try to do is really schedule time in your planner. So try to prevent any overlap. And Michelle, I can't remember what it was called where he said that they do the, is it the Roosevelt Dash where he like set that time and he tried to do it before it? That's the Roosevelt Dash, isn't it? What you were just talking about. Okay. So to try to prevent any overlap. So if you know that you have report cards coming up, you will want to have your schedule set for creating your lesson plans or finishing other projects where you still have these open pockets of being able to focus on that one project. So that way, when you get to report cards, your lessons are totally done and you don't need to stress about them because they're finished. And now you can completely focus on working on report cards. So look at your schedule and your calendar and schedule out when and what you're gonna be working on during your deep work hours so that you don't have that overlap. And then two, you can create an intentional plan for what you need to accomplish. And I would think of this as project planning. So what are the steps, what are the measures that you need to be taking and the the items that you need to have so that when you start those deep work sessions, you know specifically what you need to work on and those tasks are already outlined for you and you don't have to think about that part. It's already set up for you, now you just need to perform the tasks. Yeah, I always love seeing how they kind of tie in together, all the different principles of like productivity. It's very interesting. So the second strategy that I have been implementing is the meditating productively. So once again, as a recap, this is where you use periods of physical activities, such as going for walks, driving, showering, to focus your attention on a single well-defined professional 
problem. And I mentioned in the last episode that I actually did this while writing my book. I would go for walks without my headphones, no music, no podcasts, and I would just think. And I actually have distinct memories of like exactly where I was walking when I thought of certain chapter titles for my book. And in the book, Newport talks about how being in nature helps because there are less distractions. I will be honest, I have not gone for many walks outside because this past week, the heat has been ridiculous. Every single day has been triple digits. One of the days, the actual temp was 106 and the feels like was like 112. It just is not realistic because I cannot think when I am that hot. Amen (laughs) to that. Instead... I have stopped listening to podcasts in my car when I come home from the gym. Once again, I mentioned in the last episode, I do like to pump myself up pre-gym by either listening to music or a powerlifting podcast. That has not changed. But now when I leave, instead of continuing that podcast, I will now just sit in silence. And some days there's traffic, so I am sitting for quite some time. But I use that to think. And I think the key to having this actually work is knowing what you're going to think about ahead of time, because otherwise you get in the car and you're like, so what are we thinking about today? And (laughs) it will take half the trip home just to come up with something to think about. So you need a plan. I mean, that's kind of what Bridget was hitting on in the last one is like having a plan and being proactive. And that can save you so much time. And I know Bridget, you mentioned this in the last episode about how Newport warns that you have to be wary of distractions and that looping. So that's where you constantly like reiterate to yourself the information you already know. And so you're like a hamster on a wheel. You're not making progress. So I have had to practice a lot of like mindfulness to bring myself back when I notice myself looping and be able to go, okay, what's the next step? And I have tried structuring that deep thinking using those steps that he mentions in the book, which is where you review and store variables. You identify and tackle the next step question and then consolidate your gains. Now, when I'm driving, I obviously cannot put notes in my notes app. So I've had to kind of use some of those memory hooks of remembering those things that I have decided. And then once I park my car, I immediately go in my notes app and do like a big brain dump. But... I do feel like it has helped. So some ideas that you could try, obviously during the summertime, try to go for walks or even if you're not gonna go outside, try to meditate productively while you're doing like household chores. So for example, if you're emptying the dishwasher, that's the perfect time to like have a good thinking session. I know it can be difficult to find these times during the school day. I do have a friend that will go for walks during like her lunch break. I know that's not always feasible for everyone and it doesn't always work. So instead, my suggestion would be to use your driving time to and from work to meditate productively. And if you need to, maybe you meditate productively during your morning drive. And then in the afternoon, it's like a reward that you listen to a podcast and you can just kind of give your brain a break. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to share my last strategy that I've been working on, which is um, Cal mentions a ritual for ending the workday. And so part of what Cal mentioned it in rule number one is the importance of just being lazy. And so he quotes essayist and cartoonist Tim Kreider, I believe it's pronounced. Idleness is not a va- just a vacation and indulgence or vice. It is the indispensable is it is as indispensable as vitamin D to the body and deprived of it, we suffer mental affliction as disfiguring as rickets. It is paradoxically 
and necessary to getting any work done. Holy words are hard. Um, But I know for me that I have a tendency to suck work into every chance that I get. And I really struggle with this for so many different reasons. Well, one, it's because I lack the consistency of deep work. Two, I distractions can really consume me just as a person. And three, I focus on way too many things at one time. So you're going to see that there's like all of these kind of come back together that I've already mentioned with these strategies into this last piece. And so Cal suggests to end work at 530 every day. And he calls this a fixed schedule productivity as he fixes the firm goal of not working past a certain time. And then he works backwards to find productivity strategies that allow him to like satisfy the work that he wants to be able to complete in that specific day. So once you're ready to quit your work for the day, Cal suggests having a ritual to end the day. So what he mentions is that first he takes a look at his email inbox. He transfers new tasks that are in your mind or you scribble them into a notebook. He looks over the calendar for the next few days and then he uses that information to create a rough plan for the next day on what he needs to complete. And then at the end, he says, shut down to complete. Now, I will be honest, I am still working on this because I was also doing show notes at 8.30 last night. So about that. But I believe that with that deep work time that I have in the morning, I can make this a reality for my family and for my life in order to better it. So I am going to utilize the strategies that he specifically mentions, but I have to be really, really intentional with the time that I have during my work day. So Here are some ideas as teachers for how we can try and not continue work when we go home. Because I know that we've talked about this in this podcast, like for three years now, about not taking work home, leaving work where it needs to be, because you need to build that separation. And so here are some ideas. Choose the tasks that you specifically need in order to tell yourself, I'm not going to do work. Like if you are somebody that checks your email, check your email right before you leave at school. So then that way you don't try not to think about it for the rest of the day. Okay. And as weird as it's going to say sound, I want you to try saying shut down complete. <laughs> it's like out loud. And the reason for this is because of some very, and I can't say that person's name, but this effect, which just discusses the ability of incomplete tasks and how they can dominate your attention. So by saying it out loud, you're closing the door to it and you're not going to think about it when you go home. Another thing you can do is to create a checklist to build that routine and then set up an alarm on your phone to remind you to shut everything down, to do your routine, to say shut down complete so that you can go home and be lazy and allow your t- your brain to just kind of freely think. That's one area that I still need to improve yeah. on. That should have been one of my strategies, but it was not. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I know. I can need, I do I like seven? <laughs> All right. So my third and final strategy that I've been implementing since reading this book is utilizing that rhythmic philosophy. So in rule one, which is to work deeply, Newport outlines strategies. And the very first one is to decide on your depth philosophy. And he mentions, choose one that works for your specific circumstances because we're all different. So the four different examples of philosophies he gives are monostat. Oh my goodness. Monastic, 
right? Is that I, how you girl, would say that? I don't know. I <laughs> had to like Kindle look up so many words when I was reading this book. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go with monastic, monastic philosophy, which is where you maximize your deep work effort efforts by eliminating or radically minimizing shallow obligations. This is where you like for the next month, I'm going to just work on, you know, this task and you like isolate yourself. That would not work for a majority of people. Then there is the biomodal philosophy, which is where you divide your time and you dedicate some clearly defined stretches to deep work. And then you leave the rest open to everything else. I think that's a little more attainable, but still not fully realistic. Then there is the rhythmic philosophy, which is where your deep work sessions become a regular habit. And it's kind of that like chain method of like every single day at this time, I'm going to do it and then I can like check it off my list. So one suggestion he gives for this philosophy is having like a set time every single day that you're going to use for deep work. And this works really well because of the reality of like human nature. And we tend to like routines. The last one, which is the most difficult, it requires the most skill is the journalist philosophy. This is where you just fit in deep work wherever you can into your schedule because it's too hectic. In the last episode, I mentioned how for me, I have successfully in the past utilized both rhythmic and journalist philosophies, but I feel like I need to kind of hone in on just one. So for this past week, I have been using that rhythmic philosophy where every single day I have a set time because my schedule has been pretty set in stone. So my deep work session was Monday through Thursday. I did not do it on Friday because Friday is my cleaning day. And then Billy is also home on Fridays this summer because he has Fridays off in the summer. So instead, I just did it Monday through Thursday from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m., Now, the reason I chose that time is because 8.30 is when Billy is leaving the house to go to work, so I have less distractions, and that time is consistent, so I enjoy that. Typically, at that point, Ember has already been outside. She's used the bathroom. She has her kibble ball to entertain her, so I have a good stretch of time where she's not going to be like all over me wanting to play. And then 11 is when I typically like to start making my breakfast, so I felt like that worked really well. And then my set location was my standing desk and I would be walking on my walking pad. And I did like that I have a large window to my right that I can kind of look out when I needed a chance to like think. So here were the kind of rules or guidelines that I set for myself during this time. No phone. I would not go on my phone. I did have it charging next to me, but I wouldn't go on it. I'm pretty good at that because when I do get into a deep work sec, uh, when I do get into a deep work session, I don't, I I stay focused essentially. Like I'm pretty good about that. However, I did have to avoid taking it with me into the bathroom. So I would have to take bathroom breaks because, you know, I'm human. And I used to always take my phone in with me and I would just start scrolling and like get distracted. So I had to avoid taking it whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. funny how more quickly my bathroom trips became during that time. I also would not go on to any social media on my laptop because typically I would open up like Facebook all the time. I also would not go on email because I used to always start my day with checking my email. However, I felt like I all I would do was check email for like an hour or two because new emails would come in and I, as I would respond to one, I would start a new task. And that was hard for me because I 
am a chronic email checker, but at the same time, I kind of hate checking email. So I thought of it as a gift to myself of like, Hey, you don't need to check email until this afternoon. Like you can handle it then. And it's worked out really well because I feel like once I clear my email inbox in the afternoon, I don't get as many emails because most people are responding to emails in the morning. And so once I would clear it, I actually felt like I was good to go for the day and I didn't have to like check it again. So during this time, I have to say I was getting my powerless done like every single day in that window and still had time left. So I was able to expand into some new projects, which I'm going to share about in the next episode, 186. So come back. But basically, this just helped me be a lot more intentional with my time. So here are my ideas for you. I suggest this summer, try out some of those different philosophies and then choose one moving forward. If you have to, wake up an hour earlier so you have that uninterrupted time. Or if you're gonna utilize that journalist philosophy where you're just fitting it in where you can, make sure you have a concrete list of like tasks or projects so that when you need to jump in, you're ready to go and you don't waste time trying to decide what to do. And I think my last like overarching reminder is just that people will gladly control your time Mm -hmm. if you let them. So you have to choose to be intentional. And at the end of the book, Newport even says like the deep life isn't for everyone because it requires hard work and drastic changes. But I think the book illustrates all of the value that it does hold. Yeah. So these are going to be the strategies that we have been implementing from Cal Newport's book. We would love that if you can take a minute, we want to know what strategy you're implementing. Go and leave us a review on iTunes and tell us that strategy that you're implementing from this book. And maybe some one of these have resonated with you. Um, if you have not read Deep Work by Cal Newport, we encourage you to read it. We're going to have a link down in the show notes for you to go and check it out. And if you haven't listened to the book review, episode 184. Be sure also link in the, in the show notes to listen to that because it's really going to give you a better idea of this idea of deep work and some of the strategies and implementation of performing your best work so that you can be the most productive. So Thank you guys so much for listening to this. We would love for you to take this minute, take a, a check out the website, go and submit your time-sucking hurdle. We want to know what is sucking up all your time for us. Well, for me, it's always my phone, always my phone. <laughs> but subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Um, you will be notified the next time you drop. we drop a new episode. It is completely free and it's going to pop up inside of your podcast app on Thursday morning. And again, we would love for you to leave that review telling us one of those strategies that you're going to be implementing. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.